Good evening. Yeah, I, I need to take Sean with me wherever I go. You know, he just talks me up, you know, like, you know, how much, how much can I pay you? Can I even afford you, bro? Yes, I've never been introduced that, that beautifully, you know? You make, me, you make me sound like a superstar. How cool is that? Can we give it up for Sean? He's awesome. And, uh, and of course, you know, we always, you know, we believe in the culture of honor in our church. And wherever I go, I never, it doesn't matter how many times I preach off a pulpit, I always take the time to honor the man of God and the woman of God who makes it possible and all the leaders who make it possible to build a great church. So would you put your hands together and honor your senior pastors right here, Pastor George. And uh, it is always such a privilege. It's been so good to hang out with you guys all day today. If, it, if tonight is the first time you get to hear me preach, where have you been all my life, you know? Come on, man. I've been hanging out in Durban, away from Cape Town, and, uh, and here we are today. We've been having a great time, and, and you guys are amazing. You guys, your, your hospitality, your church, Pastor George, your hospitality, your kindness, your hunger for God is absolutely awesome, and I just love hanging out here, you know. Can you adopt me as, the, as, as, as your black brother? Can, do anybody want to have a black son in your family? Come on, man. You know, I won't be the black sheep of the family. I'll just be part of the family, all right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And, uh, and it's so good to be here. My, my wife sends her greetings. She's back home. She just called me just before. She told me to call her. Actually, when she tells you to call her, you call her. Amen. So I called her just before the start of our, of our last service uh, today, and she's still in that service right now. This evening, I want to talk to you very quickly and just before I do that, uh, I've mentioned in the two services this morning, I have some, um, some merchandise, or I call it, you know, T-shirts out there. And basically the idea behind those T-shirts are that I really feel... Um I feel I felt to encourage some entrepreneurship amongst or you know business people in our church and you know I've been an entrepreneur myself loving to you know trying to do stuff with business and so a part of what we're experiencing in our nation obviously is, 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 is massive unemployment and so part of the whole project is is to begin to creatively brainstorm how we can create spaces and opportunity for young people or people whatever people you know people in society in South Africa to become a part to one inspire them number two to employ them and number three, uh, to actually uh, 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 kind of mentor, uh, uh, you know, young people coming through. Because how many of you know we've got to we've got to create more jobs in South Africa? Because right now our our our, our unemployment rate is sitting at 29%, which is 6.7 million people that don't have jobs, and uh, and and the government doesn't know what to do about creating more jobs. And so we have to all play our role. And so this is a bit of a project. So whatever you invest in, so and if you buy a T-shirt, even if you uh, you know give it to your to somebody you don't like it's okay uh, it, you know as long as you can invest and help us to start a model that we can take all around the country and help to inspire business people entrepreneurs to do the same because we need thousands upon thousands of jobs to be created through that so you can go out there. I had a jacket on this morning that was made by one of our team I have a little small little factory there and uh, you know just trying to trying to uh, inspire and trying to show people that even if you come from Ulifan's hook and you can't speak English you can still start something and go God can do something with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. 
And uh, if you have your Bible, just say amen. If you, if you, if you don't have your Bible, why not? Um, if you have an old school Bible, you can wave it at me like you just don't care. Um, because that's how we roll. You can turn to somebody next to you and say, hey neighbor, I, have, I am ready to praise God tonight. Uh, I am ready to go to another level. Come on, tell, tell your neighbor. Turn, turn to the other neighbor say, neighbor, don't look so important. Come on, man. Put a smile on your face. You are in the house of the Lord. Come on, turn to the neighbor behind you. Say, come on, man. What's wrong with you? Get yourself together. We're about to go to a whole nother level. Come on. I'm going to have you talking to your neighbor. You thought you're just going to sit here and, and watch me preach. Oh, oh no. We're going to preach together. Come on, somebody. High five two or three people. Tell them I'm about to get my praise on. I did not come to Sunday night. I could have watched the Mnet movie, but I'm in church. And if I'm going to be in church, I am going to get my praise on. I'm going to get my faith on. I'm going to come into the house of the Lord like Jesus is actually alive and he is not dead. I'm not going to come into the house of the Lord and wait for bed. Oh, come on, somebody. Do I have harvest people in this building today who can lift up a shout of praise and give God a praise? You see, you see, it is not, it is not, it's not praise for man. It is praise to God because when the praises go up, blessings come down. When the praises go up, breakthrough come. When you can step outside of yourself, God can step into where you were and he can do what you cannot do. Tonight, I want to encourage you. You cannot get more out of me than you are willing to withdraw from me because you have got to get your miracles. Some of you might walk out of here disappointed because you came to hear a black man preach. Wrong. Don't come and hear a black man preach. You've got to come and hear the word of the Lord. That's why you are not a spectator. You are a participator. So if you believe it, would you stand up on your feet and give God one shout of praise all over this building. We are here to give him glory. We are here to give him praise. We are here to change the atmosphere. We are here to change the environment. We are atmosphere changers. We are game changers. We are men and women of the spirit. We are men and women of faith. We are men and women of breakthrough. We are men and women of power. We are children of the most high God. High five two or three people. Tell them you should see how crazy I get for Jesus in a few moments. I am not about to settle down. I'm about to take it to a whole nother level. You may be seated. You're making me nervous. So many white people staring down at a black brother makes me nervous. <clears throat> Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? Whom you have received as a gift from God and that you are not your own property. Turn to somebody say you are not your own property. Come on, turn. You are not your own property. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to do my due diligence and my exegetical studies of the theology of this word, but what I do have, and so I'm going to skip right over that, but you need to understand that when we talk about the temple, the temple, the historical significance attached to the temple is so, is so powerful that I don't have time to really go through it step by step for you, but, but, but Paul introduces a new concept. He says, do you not know that your body, you see physically they used to have to go to a temple. Now Paul is saying, hey, you, you don't have to go to a temple no more. You are the temple. That everything that is happening, worship is going to happen in this temple. Praise is going to happen in this temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why, that's why you've got to, that's why praise, praise will, praise will always and worship will always involve your whole body because you are a temple. And the God says, if you won't cry out, don't worry, I have not run out of praise. The rocks will cry out in your place because God says, I have ordained praise from the mouth of infants and children. You've got 
got to understand we were made to be the temples that we will be will bring sacrifice sometimes you don't feel like you want to worship sometimes you don't feel like you want to pray you had a you had a long week come on tell the truth and shame the devil sometimes you don't feel like coming to church and you sleep want to sleep in but that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise you see when you come into the presence of God you gotta say God it doesn't matter how I feel you may have had too much curry this afternoon you may have had too much chicken this afternoon you may have had too much rice and potatoes this afternoon but I'm gonna tell my body I'm gonna get into alignment so that I can lift up a praise because my praise is not based on how I feel it's based on the revelation of who he is and my God is not just good on a Sunday my God is good on a Monday my God is good on a Tuesday my God is good when things don't even look good my God is good because my God is an all-consuming fire he's a God who is the same yesterday today and forevermore so I give him my praise you see people say to me Fabian you are so excitable listen we should all be excited for Jesus Wow, Fabian, you are so passionate, and and, and that's it. Because I, I tried, I tried to do the whole, the whole, the whole compose yourself, don't sweat stuff, and then I just gave up on it. I tried to don't spit on people in the front row stuff, and I just gave up on it. It's anointed spit. It's anointed spit. <laughs> you should be like, I want some of that. <laughs> no, 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 just joking, just joking, just joking, just joking. But I, I, I want to let you know it's because it's because I don't have much going for me other than Jesus that I know I've got to get in my praise on. I've got to worship Him with everything. You see, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of God. And you see, that's why we've got to use our bodies now while we still can. You know, because uh, because some some people and I know some people in the room might not jump like other people. But you can't take the, 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 the Christian two-step. You can do the Christian two-step. Have you ever been in church where all Christians know the Christian two-step? Every Christian. It doesn't matter, black, white, Indian, or colored. We all have the Christian two-step to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. Now slide. Now slide. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is going on? Lord, I came to hear the word of the Lord. Now they're teaching me to dance. Anyway, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And everything, that's why your hands, your hands are instruments. Your voice is an instrument. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a weapon to the forces of darkness. You, you are a man and a woman of the Spirit of God. Everything about you. That's why you ought to steward this body. Because God wants to use you. God wants to use this body to touch. That's why with the laying on of hands, you can see people recover from sickness. That's why with a one word you can release something that can change an atmosphere because you are you know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own property, you were bought with a price. By the way, it's interesting. It's interesting. You can never buy something without a price. Something has to have a price for you to buy. If there's no price. You guys don't know economics, I'm going to come this side, yeah. They're looking at me like, what is he talking about? How do you know something can be bought is because there is a price attached to it. I'm going to come this side. These people, you guys know my, you know economics. If there is no price, you see the Bible says you were bought at a price. Somebody had to exchange. There can be no, there can be no purchase that takes place unless there is an exchange. I travel to countries like Australia, and their, their currency is a little bit stronger than our currency. 
<laughs> their currency is a little bit stronger. You know, I have never gone off at the border. You've seen Border Patrol? I don't mess with those dudes. I don't mess with those dudes. I keep my head down low and I don't make eye contact. <laughs> There's a question on the landing card that they always ask you, have you been in Africa, in any of these African countries lately? I'm like, I am from Africa, brother. <laughs> from Africa, brother. Anyway, so you, you, you get into Australia and I have never had the courage to walk up to one of those people and say, hey, uh, I have the South African rand. Can you give me some pizza? Never. Because those brothers don't mess. I need to align. I need to align in order for me to make the purchase. I need to align the, I need to align the currency. I need to get the currency right in order for me to get what I want. And God says, I bought you with a price. But this price, the Bible says, you were actually purchased with was the precious blood of Jesus. That him, you see, you, 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 yeah. I'm going to get back to that. The precious blood of Jesus and he and made his own. So then honor and glorify God with your body. Romans chapter 14 and verse 8 in the Good News Bible says, If we live, it is for the Lord that we live. And if we die, it is for the Lord that we die. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. How do I say it to you Christians? <laughs> we belong to the Lord. You see, I, I, I told my story. My, my sermon tonight is entitled, Not for Sale. Not for Sale. Now, now I grew up in a small town, as some of you may know, Olifanzuk. There's more sheep than there's people. <laughs> I grew up in Olifanzuk, and, and, and my, some of you know my story. My dad left my mom when my mom was still pregnant with me. He went to go buy Omo. He hasn't come back yet to deliver the Omo. Maybe when he comes back, he'll bring the stay soft as well. <laughs> anyway, so come on, behave. This is church. It's church. And so growing up, I never had the privilege of having a, so a dad at my soccer matches watch me score the goals. And I was good. I mean, I wasn't the best, but I was good. I, 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 I had to work hard. I was a good defender. I was a good midfielder. I was good. I had a six-pack. I know you can't imagine that right now. But I had a six-pack, and I could play well. And, but I never had a dad on the sideline to say, come on, my boy. You can do it. I, I never had that. I never grew up. I didn't know what it was. I would see my friends, their parents, their, because my mom couldn't come to my soccer match either because she was an, uh, uh, an ice you nurse and so she was working you know half the time she was working or when when we were awake she was sleeping and when we were sleeping she was awake and that type of deal as you if you've ever done nursing that's what happens and so so I didn't have a dad who would coach me I didn't have a dad to teach me about 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 you know the, about the birds and the bees and that type of stuff you know and I I grew up in Olifanzuk where 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 where, where we, we, we had to learn the stuff all by ourselves and and I never had a dad who would tell me to pull my act together and get me in line and 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 some along the line the enemy started coming into my life and the enemy started putting fear in my heart I grew up with chronic fear 
I know you can't tell because I look so fearless right now, but I grew up with chronic fear. I was so scared of the dark that, that, that I would not, until the age of about, uh, until the age of about, I think, 10 or 11, I would refuse to sleep by myself because I, I, I was so scared of the dark and the enemy started coming in with fear, fear of the dark. Uh, you know, the enemy started coming with fear of rejection. You know, I, I remember I could not walk anywhere without a cap on. Because people would laugh at me and they would, you know, kids growing up, they would call me, they would call me rugby ball. They would call me long, long cop, half a loaf. They would call me Sasko Sam. <laughs> and so I grew up with a fear of rejection. I remember as God is my witness, as God is my witness, I got chosen to go on this leadership camp. We were paid, they paid us to come on this leadership. It was a good deal. They gave us accommodation, they paid us. I was like, I'm there, I wanna play soccer, but you think I'm a leader and you pay me to be a leader, I'll be there. And there I was, and I was sitting, I remember coming there, cause I would not, after school, I would put my hat on. The only time I would not have a cap on was when I was at school, because I was forced to have, a, to, to, to have no hat on. After school, I would have my cap in my blanket laser pocket. The minute school would finish, I would put my head back on because I was so fearful of rejection that what I would do was I would put my head on and I arrived at this leadership event where all the students from all around the country were coming together and there was this young lady and she was pretty much the life of the party and she was out there and she was like, she was like out there and, and, and I remember standing there with my head and this girl for some reason, for some reason wanted to see me without my cap on. I'm standing in a conversation and she just walks, I don't know her, I have never met this girl from nowhere. She walks up to me, she says, by the way, I want to see how you look. Before I could think, she already ripped my cap off my head and in the same breath, she goes, oh, put it back on. <laughs> Reinforces the fear of rejection. And the enemy starts to come and, and the enemy begins to, you know, the insecurity he began to attack me with my low self-esteem. I was so insecure that I could, not, I could not dare to stand in front of people and speak publicly. I would not do a public speak, speech at school. If there was prepared speech, I would not be the one. <laughs> and the enemy started bombarding me and he started attacking me. And as some of you know, the first time I saw my dad was when I was 21 years old and he never asked for forgiveness. He asked me for taxi fare and that was it. Didn't say, Dad, my boy, please forgive me. And he said, hey, do you have taxi fare for me? Until the day he died, he never asked for forgiveness. But he never needed to because I had never had anything against him. And so ultimately, before I got saved at the age of 15, I battled with my identity. You see, the problem was I did not know who I was because I did not know whose I was. <laughs> I feel like preaching. <laughs> Can I get a witness, somebody? <laughs> People are like, I'm not coming back to that Harvest Church. They've got a keyboard player, a man with a handkerchief. Why is that boy sweat so much? What's wrong with him? You know, this church, I heard I'm the only person that uses a sweat towel in this church. I'm making history right here at Harvest. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. This is my fourth... This is my fourth sweat towel. Praise God. You guys have got me working hard here. Hallelujah. Before I got saved, I, I, I had identity issues. And the problem was I didn't know whose I was. And until I began to discover, you see, you will never find yourself until you find out who paid the price for you. Because he who paid the price for you is the one who owns you. 
You see, the definition of ownership is based on who is willing to pay the price. I'm going to say that again because some of you are still catching up. <laughs> ownership is based on who is willing to pay the price. I have here a spa trolley, but imagine it's a pick and pay trolley. Imagine with me. I like pick and pay. Pick and pay is so self-explanatory. Pick and pay. They say, listen, you can pick whatever you want. Go for it. Walk through the aisles like you own it. Stand there with your big old trolley. In fact, you can have three, you can have four, you can have ten trolley. You can pick whatever you want. I want baked beans. <laughs> they say pick it. You want milk? Go for it. Nobody is going to stop you from picking. Because whatever it is that you pick. You see your basket, your trolley. Your trolley will come to a lady at, I don't know if it's the same here in Cape Town. At four o'clock, don't go to pick and pay at four o'clock. <laughs> now that you have picked, it's time to pay. And if you have one of those ladies at four o'clock who don't even look at you because they're so tired, they just go click, click, and don't even dare try to ask them how their day has been. No conversation. I don't know if it's just me, but every time it seems like, it seems like I'm proposing marriage to some of them. <laughs> they just won't look at me. But when you get to the cash point, you cannot say, the Lord told me to pick and he shall pay. Uh. They say, my brother and my sister, <laughs> let us understand one thing. Where is the money? I like Jesus. He's good. But show me the money. Because whatever you pick, you must pay for. And your God says, because you see, you see, you cannot take ownership of anything in pick and pay until you have paid. If you take ownership and you take possession of the things that you did not pay for, it is illegal. It is called stealing. There is no such a thing as affirmative shopping. <laughs> it is illegal. You cannot do it. That's why the Bible says in the book of John 10 verse 10, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Why? Because he does not have ownership over your life. He does not have ownership over your destiny. He does not have ownership over your dreams. Oh, come on, somebody. If you believe it, would you stand up on your feet and give God a righty shout of praise because you belong to Jesus, because you belong to God. Every 
everything about you, every one of your dreams belong to Jesus. You are not the property of the devil. That's why the devil can no longer torment you when the devil comes to come in like a flood. You must remember that he who picked you paid for you. The Bible says you did not choose him. He chose you. And so I wish I had some people who can tell the devil your time is up. Your tormenting is up because I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. My children belong to Jesus. My family belong to Jesus. You may be seated. You see, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. If you don't own it, you, if you haven't paid the price. And that's why the Bible says he, he paid not a common price. He didn't pay for you in rands. He paid for you with his blood. His blood is still powerful. That's why I love the song, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need to know how to appropriate the blood because the blood speaks of ownership. You see, you see, the blood speaks of a man and a woman who has been who has been purchased. And it's not so you have not been purchased by Jesus to enslave you. You have not been purchased by Jesus so that you can be bound. No, it was for freedom that Christ came to set you free. That's why the most liberating place on the planet should be the house of God, because therein are men and women of God who know that they who they belong to and Jesus paid the price for you and for me that's why we don't have to tell each other lies in church like how are you doing oh I'm fine brother call each other brother because we forget each other's names <laughs> the safest place on the planet should be the house of God because we are all just a bunch of people who were bought with the efficacious blood of Jesus. His blood paid for us. For your healing, his blood paid for. For your freedom, listen, you don't need to be behind bars to be imprisoned. Sometimes we are walking free, bound. And yet the blood of Jesus washed us and he paid the price for you and I to be completely free. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, I chose you. I picked you, therefore I will pay the price for you. And it, it could not be any price. See, heaven had to send his very best. Hey! One morning, we need to learn how to appropriate the blood of Jesus. You can have Handy Andy, but not know how to appropriate Handy Andy, and it's be useless to you. Band, you can come up. I've got three quick points. And I really just feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what happens is, one morning the Holy Spirit woke me up, do you want to move, pick and pay? I can move, pick, and pay for you, shame man. So you can bring us beautiful worship. Do you want baked beans? <laughs> it's already been paid for. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm always happy, by the way. <laughs> you know why? Because, gee, I mean, what more, can ha what more do you want to do? What more do you want to do? 
You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm not happy because of happenings. I'm happy because of Him. I'm happy because He puts joy into my heart. And see, when you appropriate the blood of Jesus correctly, woke up one morning, Holy Spirit woke me up, and, and He began to teach me this thing about appropriating the blood, how to plead the blood. It's an old school term for some of you millennials. <laughs> you're like, you're like, what? Plead. Ah. It's, <laughs> it's a legal term. To plead is a legal term. If you are in a court of law, you can't talk opinion. You've got to talk law. And so when we say, when you, when you are in a court of law, they ask you, how do you plead? You can either plead guilty or you can plead innocent. And where you find that term in scripture is, where we talk about pleading the blood of Jesus, is that you don't plead innocent nor do you plead guilty. When the accuser, the devil comes to you and he torments you and he tries to accuse you of how bad of a Christian you are and how you're not getting everything right you need to understand don't plead your own case all you've got to do is say I plead the blood of Jesus because heaven doesn't see your opinion it is the blood of Jesus that brings freedom and breakthrough and I want to there's a sign over each and every single one of you. I woke up that morning and I, I began to plead the blood of Jesus over my house. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wakes you up and you don't know why to, what you need to pray for. That's why you need to have speaking in the Spirit. And, and I began to speak in the Spirit. I began to plead the blood of Jesus over my sister and over my mother. I began to plead the blood of Jesus over my children. And I began to plead the blood of Jesus over my doorpost and over my household. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that the children of Israel, before they left, before they left, one of the things God asked them to do was to go onto the doorpost and to put a sign, a not for sale sign, on every Israelite's house, on all, on all the children, on all the uh, Israelite households. And and so when the when the when the spirit of death came over, what stopped the spirit of death from going into their homes was a not for sale sign in the in the sign of the blood of Jesus that said, "You cannot touch this." You see, it is when when the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, there is a sign over you that says this belongs to Jesus. You cannot touch this life. You cannot take this life. You cannot take this praise. And so, and so ultimately, I began to pray up and down the, the lounge and began to plead the blood of Jesus. I began to speak so violently because sometimes, sometimes I go into this intercessory mode and I began to come so violent. My wife always says, you know, you, you wake the whole house up. You wake the whole house up. You wake the whole house up. Can't you just pray softer? I'm like, but it's the Holy Spirit, baby. She's like, can't you and the Holy Spirit be softer? <laughs> and I plead the blood of Jesus. I kid you not, a few, a few uh, moments later, I get a phone call from my mother. My mother said to me, you will not believe it. Your sister had just been in a car accident. 
The combi rolled three times, but she walked out with not a touch on her body. Because you have to sometimes learn how to appropriate the blood of Jesus. You need to appropriate the blood. I plead every so often I get old school because, because I need you to understand. It doesn't matter whether it was then or whether it is now or what will happen in the future. The blood has not lost its power. It is the only sign on your household whether when the devil comes to kill and steal and destroy, there is a not for sale sign because you cannot sell what does not belong to you. You cannot take what does not belong to you, devil. You, you get out of our homes and you get out. You see, I, I have learned how to stand my ground I've learned how to stand my ground because I know whose I am three points the thing that I learned about this whole journey is after I got saved I discovered three things I discovered number one I am my father's child I discovered who my daddy really was that even though my biological dad walked out on me, even though my biological dad wasn't there for me, my heavenly father said, I'll take care of you better than your biological father. So you will never have to live one more day with regret, one more day with any sense of rejection anymore. Today people think I am so confident and they think I'm so verbose, whatever it is, but it's only because of Jesus. Because at the age of 15, I encountered my daddy. I encountered my heavenly father who said to me, Fabian, he began to whisper into my ears and say, to me I'm going to use you as a spokesman to the nation I said God me my English is delicious he said yes you do you know where I come from he said yes you come from Wuli Fanzuk I said exactly I know I know I am my father's child you see I don't love my kids because of the love deficit in my life I just learned the love of a father supernaturally. God began to deposit into me. I don't love my children because of what I never had. I give my children everything that I have because I was loved by my heavenly father. Even when there was rejection and the enemy tried to tell me you will never speak in front of people. The devil is a liar. I've come to declare to you today that if you believe that there is a new day, that there is a new breakthrough, that there is a new authority coming your way, I want you to to stand up on your feet and give God a shout of breakthrough praise over your future because you are a child of the living God. You are not any other child. You are God's child. You are God's child. Listen to me. I'm almost done. You may be seated quickly because you know in church when you, some of you have never had this much exercise in your life. It's good. It's harvest virgin active. <laughs> I can just see the email to you on Monday. No, 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 no. That guy, uh -uh. too much work. Too much work, that guy. Dad picked me. Favor, what do you mean? Your dad left you. Dad picked me. Dad picked me. Some of you, some of you have heard the story. But I got, to go to my I got to go to my father's bedside because of my heavenly father. And I got to sit next to it, not knowing that those would be the last moments I get to share with my father who I have never built a relationship with, with, who's never taken responsibility for me because I know whose I was. And I could sit next to his bedside, look him in the eye and say, hey, listen, I have got no anger towards you. I never have and I never will. I could sit there next to him and say to him, come on, do you know Jesus? I'm going to lead you to Jesus. Why? Because my heavenly father had filled me. I am my father's child. I look just like my daddy because you need, you need to understand that my heavenly father filled the void that man may have 
man could not or did not fulfill, God fulfilled in my life. Today, some of you are in this room and you're crying about what did not happen. You're crying about why things happened the way that it did. And then you know what? And it's all good to cry. But at some point, you've got to come to the realization that even though you were not, you did not start where you thought you should have started, your heavenly father is still watching over you. Your heavenly father will still take care of you. And he cares more for you than you will ever know. The second thing that I discovered when I, when I got saved is that dad had a plan for me. Dad had a plan for me. He said, he said I'm going to use you as a spokesman to the nation. I'm like, really? I didn't even know how to spell nation. Didn't even know when I was in standard five. Everybody was laughing at me because I was, I was trying so hard to speak English, but I couldn't speak it properly. Added to the insecurity. Added to, added to the langkop. And the devil thought he will shut me down. But I want to let you know, heaven had a sign over me that said it's mine. To know there is no amount of rejection that will destroy the work of God. You may have been through hell and high water. Your God is still able to make a way for you where there seemed to be no way. People may have left you. People may have talked bad about you. I want you to high five two or three people. Tell them not for sale. My hope is not for sale. My dream is not for sale. I'm not going to sell out on God's birthright for my life because God has a plan for you but Fabian you don't understand no I don't need to understand because I know according to his word that he has a plan for you I know that he has a word oh but Fabian I've messed up join the club we've all messed up we all messed up we don't stand on the stage because we have it all together it's because we messed up we stand on the stage because you are our support group we get to tell you all our problems We need the grace of God. He had a plan for me. Prophetic words after prophetic words spoken over my life. Nations, nations, nations. A little boy from Willie Fun's Hook. Years growing up just looking at Planet Shakers from a distance. Admiring the DVDs. and Trying to be like Joth with the hair except I didn't have hair. And for the last four years, God takes a little kid and puts him on one of the biggest stages of my life for four years. This year, God to preach at two sessions at our main conference. You know why? Not because I'm good, but because God had a plan for my life. He could see it when I was in Olifanzuk. It doesn't matter where you may come from, Hudson Nevada. There is no, there is no, there is no, there is not a place that God will not go to show you that he's got a plan for you. And the third thing. I discovered my authority. I began to walk in my authority. I know who my daddy is. I know that he has a plan for me. And now I stand in the authority. I don't stand in it as a man who has a borrowed authority because I can't live off my mom's authority. I can't live off my pastor's authority. I can't live off a bishop's authority. I can't even live off a prophet's authority. I have to live off of my own authority based on the revelation of who my daddy is. So because the devil does not come to you say, who, oh, are you pastor, are you pastor George's little disciple? I won't touch you. No, no, no. He's going to come. You're not going to have to. You know, I wish we had sometimes had the band in our bedrooms when we're going through difficult times. 
Need your own authority. Need your own authority. There are things that you will go through that nobody can help you through, but only you and God. And you have to have the authority knowing that your God is on your side. That if God before you, who can be against you? Oh, come on, somebody. I feel like there needs to be a breakout praise over your life and over your future. That you have the authority to pull down strongholds. You have the authority to bind. The Bible says whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven you are the gatekeeper you carry an authority you carry an authority to call things that are not as though they were to begin to prophesy to begin to speak over yourself you carry an authority because of whose you are you are a child of the living God I'm gonna end off with this quickly because I need to have some boneless chicken I don't have the photo, some of you may have seen the photo of my family, but I use this as part of my sermon illustration, but, and I forgot to put it in there, but I want to show you, I want to, the power of the blood was my wife and I should not be together because of the opposition that came from people within her family. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. How her own dad told her, I'm disowning you. I'm not coming to your wedding. How I had to sit on the telephone, on a telephone, on a telephone. I told you my English is bad. I had to sit on the telephone and hear my, my father-in-law speak to me and tell me, oh yeah, there we go, okay. Ooh, look at that. Shaki daki, quack, quack. Rakadarababa. So that should never have happened. That's, that's, that's a picture of the blood. Sitting, sitting on the phone with my father-in-law. My father-in-law says things like this to me. He says, you stay away from my daughter. You just want to whiten your race. You don't love my daughter. You're lusting after my daughter. He said, and the more I said I loved him, he said, and he would go crazy. It's like a demon manifesting on the other side. And I would pull the phone away and I would put the phone back. I would say, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry you feel that way. He said, you're not sorry. Stay away from my daughter. Go mix with your kind. Go mix with your kind. And I would sit there and I refused to take offense. Not because of me, but because I know whose I am. Not because of, you see, you can't make me feel any less because I am, I am not, you never bought me. You never paid the price for me. You cannot make me feel inferior because I know whose I am. Some of us take offense over things we should never take offense over because we haven't sorted out our identity issues. I am a child of God. And so I'm standing over the phone. I'm saying, sorry, sir. I said, if you can show me in the Bible where it is. The sheep should have mixed with the goat. And I began to explain to him scripturally. He said, forget about the Bible. Stay away from my daughter, puts the phone down. He said, I want you to know that my daughter is as good as dead to me. And I will not come to your wedding day. I said, I'm so sorry you feel that way. But I cannot honor your prejudice. I refuse. You see, in that photo is a miracle. Every one of those little kids, those Mokajava babies, Miracles. 
I don't have time to go through it all. But there was a sign over us that said not for sale. There's a sign over you that said not for sale. You see, we could have given up under the pressure, but we decided that we would stand because the blood of Jesus is enough. And, 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 and the way the story ends is her father calls me two weeks before the wedding. He said, I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? I said, I don't need to forgive you because I never took offense because I know whose I am. And my daddy is my, my daddy has kept me right through it. So I said to him, I, have, I don't need to forgive you because I never took offense against you. He said, I'm going to be there. And the best thing he's ever said in the whole time, he said, I'm going to pay for the wedding. I danced. I said, woo. <laughs> because I had no money, <laughs> I danced. <laughs> you see, there's a sign over you today. Heaven has a no for sale sign over you. When you walk into your home today, your praise is not for sale. Your worship is not for sale. Your future is not for sale. Your hopes and your dreams are not for sale. There is nothing about you that is for sale today because you were bought with the blood of Jesus. And if only you can, I, if only you can settle the issue of identity in your heart. Tonight, walking out here knowing that you belong to Jesus. Some of you in this place today, there might be, you might be wrestling with depression. And it's a very real thing. And the enemy wants to, the, the, wants to attack you. But today, can I tell you this? Jesus paid a price for you. His blood is able to bring healing and to bring freedom to you. Today, maybe you're standing here and you're saying, Fabian, I know, I, you know, I say to people, God never, never made you and then thought, I'm going to make you shy. Shyness does not come from God. God wants you to stand bold. He wants you to know that today He watches over you. You see, my pastor says to me, Fabian, I want you to take over the worship. Planet Shakers is known for its music. All around the world is known for its music. The band arrives to open up the church 20, uh, 2011. They have all the who's who of the band that travels the world that everybody sees on posters. My pastor says to me, listen, when they go, you're taking over the worship. I'm like, really? I haven't sung in three years. And when I did sing, they only put me up on stage because I was passionate, not because of my voice. And you want me to go and sing? The band goes away. 600 people rocked up for the launch of the church. The second week, the week after the launch... We had reverse growth. We went from 600 to 35 people in a 600-seater auditorium with me leading. I'm sure we lost another 10 people that day with me leading. And one day I remember walking to, walking to the CTICC, Cape Town Convention Center, and Holy Spirit said to me, I never made a mistake. You are my first choice. And that Sunday I would step up with an authority because my daddy spoke into my ear 
And I, I mean, the, it didn't change my voice. You can have authority, but it, your authority might still not change your voice. And I still stood up there and I began to lead the greatest worship. Come on, God doesn't have a plan B. You are God's plan A. And I've come to declare to you that your God says you will, be, you will make it. Come on, if you believe it, would you stand on your feet all over this place as this band leads us in worship? I want you to declare. I want you to speak it over you. I want you to speak it over your future. I want you to speak it into existence, into your home, that you are a child of the living God, that God has a plan for you, that God has put an authority in you, that you're not going to walk out of here with your head down. You're not going to walk out of here with your tail between your legs. No, you're going to walk out of here with a new with a new sense of confidence that because I know whose I am, I know who I am. I know that my God, my God is able to make all grace abound to me. Come on, would you begin to open up your mouth and just take it for a moment. Begin to worship Him and then the band will begin to sing in a few moments. But you lift up your worship. You begin to lift up. There's nothing more dangerous than a, than a believer who knows who whose he is and who he is. And I, I believe our city and our nation will change when we begin to understand who we are. Stop second guessing yourself. Stop doubting God's call on your life. Stop call, doubting God's ability to use you in your life. Stop calling yourself ordinary. Oh, the enemy is trying to attack the very purpose, the very identity, the very destiny of God in your life. It's time to arise, Harvest Church. This is your moment to begin to stand in a greater authority. Begin to call in the things over this, over this church that has been that has been eluding this church for so many years. I now, by the authority of heaven, begin to call in the things into this church. I call in resources like never before with the authority of heaven. I I now call in God to break through miracles like never before. I now begin to speak over, over the atmosphere. I pray in a fourth service. I pray in a fifth service. I pray in expansion like never before. I pray God that there will not be room enough. That they will spread out to the left. They will spread out to the right. In the name of Jesus. I pray for a new sense of hunger. A new sense of revival to break out in this church like they have never experienced before. Come on. I'm going to give you one more moment. One more moment. You open up your mouth. You lift up your voice. You worship the King. You pray. You call on the name of the Lord and begin to declare greater and greater and greater.